You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. We are inside two weeks until Mother's Day. Take care of Mama. Goodness knows she tried. Mama tried, right, when it comes to you. So be sure to get that order in for Mama, that special chocolate treat there. At Peterbrook Chocolatier, if you'd like, you can give them a call at 205-752-0211. Go ahead and get that order in. They can ship it to Mama, too. Mama loves to get those chocolate goodies in the mail. I'm sure of that. So you can do some shipping to Mama. Take care of Mama every way possible from a chocolate standpoint. At Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard, North, joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison. Together, we combine to form the 60 of Sports Talk Radio. Thursday night, Thursday night, getting here rapidly now, rapidly now, Jacob Harrison. We're going to find out that smokescreen assertion from Jacob Harrison. It's about to go down. Thursday night, number three overall pick. San Francisco 49ers, Jacob Harrison's been consistent. He is ready to expire on that hill, if that's what it takes. Right, Jacob? Yeah, that report last night from Ole and uh, really tested my convictions. But but I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to continue to stand in solidarity on this weird Tuscaloosa mountain that I'm screaming from. And uh, mm-hmm. hopefully I turn out to be wrong, right. Mm-hmm. But if I am wrong, I will accept, you know, that. That's just the way it goes sometimes. That's the way it goes sometimes. When you step out there, look, that's what happens. We respect it, as we've said many times before. But, yeah, I saw where Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reported yesterday that the San Francisco 49ers down to two quarterbacks. And if it really is Mac Jones or Trey Lance, Jacob, I got to like max chances there, right? Just because the team that you're going to put around the quarterback, I would think you're going with the guy with the highest four there. And to me, that's Mac. 
In other words, you're thinking you can plug Mac Jones into that team and get yourself back in contention for the Super Bowl, winning the NFC. I don't see that with Trey Lance as much. Am I missing something, Jacob? Usually I do. Usually I miss something. Well, I think you're 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 kind of right there where I am, just from a different perspective. Because I'm I'm of the mindset you didn't trade all of that collateral to move up to three to not already know who you're taking. What what's this about yeah. them just now being down to two quarterbacks? That's baloney. Either it's Mac Jones or it's who it's been this whole time. And if it's down to two, then it's then it's Mac Jones. There's there's, <laughs> there's no deciding to make now. They made that decision yeah. when they traded. It, that's where I question all of it the most is, did it really make sense for the Niners to trade up to three if it is Mac Jones? Maybe not, but if you're worried that there is even one team willing to go into the top five to get Mac Jones, and he's truly your guy once you get past, say, Trevor Lawrence, and maybe again – Based on where the Niners are at as a team in terms of readiness and viability as a legitimate competitor in the NFC, maybe they even have Mac, if not right there with Trevor Lawrence, maybe even above Trevor Lawrence. I know that sounds crazy, but if that's the case, then all it has to make sense to is the 49ers. Again, right now for the 49ers, supporting cast and pieces are there. Is it the highest ceiling? When you start looking at Mac Jones and these quarterback prospects, no. No, it's not. But in terms of the highest four right now, I think you could make that argument for Mac Jones. I think Mac could be a guy that goes in there if you're really not thinking it's Jimmy Garoppolo. And you could win a playoff game or make a playoff run earlier, I guess the point is, with Mac Jones than I could envision you making one with Trey Lance or even Justin Fields. I'll say this, though, boy. Life comes at you really quick at the quarterback position in the NFL. My concern for Mac is that if he does go in that third spot to the 49ers and the 49ers aren't heavily in that conversation, in that mix, in the NFC within a year or two, I think for Mac, he's basically then A.J. McCarron. Now, the good news for Mac in that scenario is that he's A.J. McCarron, but with first-round money instead of the fifth-round money that A.J. McCarron got back in 2014. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board with us, obviously a lot of NFL draft talk as we move throughout the week, but we got other topics we're going to touch on as well. You had spring football games around the Southeastern Conference. A lot of quarterback talk. You know what it was at some spots around the SEC? There's a lot of talk about fun. It's interesting how that works, right? At places like Alabama, maybe Georgia, some other places, the talk is about championships and winning titles and being in position to do that. At other places... Boy, I tell you, Ole Miss, for a 500 program, they do have a lot of fun. You know, that was the narrative coming out of Oxford all weekend. Looked like Lane Kiffin, looked like the players, looked like everybody over there had a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun in Oxford, Mississippi, it looked like. And so we'll talk about Ole Miss spring game. 
about what you would expect in Oxford. Quarterback situations were very much in play. Meanwhile, in Knoxville, Tennessee, and College Station, Texas. Uh, and, man, can Tennessee add another transfer quarterback? They did it this morning. Joe Milton, you may have seen that here in the last hour or so. The Michigan transfer makes it official. He, too. He, too. Raise your hand if you're a college football quarterback who is transferred to the University of Tennessee. Joe Milton now going to jump into that mix. Tennessee fans were pretty fired up on the timeline. Even some media coming across the timeline from Knoxville. They were fired up. Saw some deep balls. Saw saw some vertical passing game from the Vols offense. Fired up about Harrison Bailey. Brian Maurer. Hendon Hooker. One of those power five transfer quarterbacks in his own right. And now... That's not enough. I guess it wasn't enough for Josh Heupel over the weekend, those three guys. Because now Joe Milton going to jump on board for the Tennessee balls. Basically, the Alabama equivalent of ex-head coaches. You know, Nick Saban collects ex-head coaches on his staff and his support staff at Alabama. It seems like Tennessee, the difference is this has all been relative to Nick Saban during his time at Alabama. It's like it doesn't matter at Tennessee. Doesn't matter if it's Jeremy Pruitt. Doesn't matter if it's Josh Heupel. Doesn't matter if it's Butch Jones. There's always a place for a transfer quarterback up in Knoxville, I guess. And so that will be the case once again with Joe Milton. We'll also get into some talk about the Diamonds. Man, it was a tough one Sunday for the script A's. In baseball, wasn't it? Double headers for both the Atlanta Braves and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Of course, the Alabama script day has a mullet. That's how you differentiate, right? The mullet on the script day for Alabama. By the way, who had the script day first? I need to do some research on that. If you know, let us know at 205-342-9904. Who did the script day first? Was it the Braves or Alabama? Now, I can go back and recall... Paul Bear Bryant wearing ball caps that had the script A, the Alabama script A on it. Of course, the Braves moved to Atlanta from Milwaukee. So uh, I need to check on that. Who did the script A first? Neither one of them did it exceptionally well on the baseball diamond yesterday. The Braves get no hit in a seven-inning doubleheader game by Madison Bumgarner. And the Arizona Diamondbacks. So a tough Sunday and a sweep for the Bravos over in Atlanta. Meanwhile, up in the Commonwealth in Lexington, Kentucky, Alabama got one hit in game one of that doubleheader and then allowed seven home runs in game two, getting blanked 11 to nothing, dropping that series to the Wildcats. The Batcats, as they call them on the baseball diamond up there in Lexington, uh, double dip, uh, double dipped by Big Blue yesterday, and so Alabama climbs back to 500 in the league, and then proceeds to drop two on Sunday. A chance to get well this week. Go to Birmingham tomorrow to make up a previous rainout with the Blazers of UAB at Regents Field. Then you get Missouri in Tuscaloosa for three games. Need to make hay against Missouri this weekend because 
this schedule from a conference perspective, remember how it was sort of front-loaded for Alabama baseball to start SEC play? You know, when you went to number one Arkansas to get it going, then you had number three Ole Miss in town, number six Tennessee in town. Then you caught your breath a little bit with a trip to Texas A&M, Auburn for three. You thought maybe you could go on the road, get a series win at a very comparable, comparable team to Alabama and Kentucky. It didn't go that way in that Sunday doubleheader yesterday. But uh, then you get Missouri this weekend, and again, you need to take advantage because the last three weekends of SEC play before the SEC tournament at Vanderbilt, that won't run. LSU's playing a lot better. LSU on that fun weekend, fun weekend over in Oxford. LSU just took two out of three and blew an eight-run lead late in game three, had a sweep very much in its hands, let it get away in the final game of that series with the Rebels. But Ole Miss better. So you're going to go from Vanderbilt to Baton Rouge, and then the final regular season series, you get a very, very good top eight national seed type team in the Mississippi State Bulldogs at the Joe. So, again, bookended in this SEC schedule with tough, tough baseball. Two zero five three four two. 9904. The news was better. The news was better on the softball diamond. Alabama takes two, takes both games from the University of Louisiana on Saturday and Sunday at Road Stadium. Alabama with those two wins, 5 3 and 5 1. 36 and 7 now overall. And as we talked about late last week, that was the equivalent of a conference series in terms of how you're being viewed as a candidate for a top eight national seed, a top 15-ish team in Louisiana comes to town and you sweep them. So it's big. And again, Montana Fouts continues to be really, really good in the circle. I know, right? Stop me if you've heard that one before. She gets the win on Saturday and then comes in and stretches in relief to get the three-inning save in a relief of Crystal Goodman. Uh, and good stuff, again, we talked about this last week as well, kind of the bottom of that lineup coming through for you, Savannah Woodard with the inside-the-park homer yesterday. But Woodard, Taylor Clark, and Alyssa Brown in those seven, eight, nine holes yesterday combined four for eight, three RBI, three runs. That's what you got to have. That's what you got to have with some of these injuries. Great to get Lexi Kilfoyle's bat back in the lineup on Saturday, too, her first career home run was central in that 5-3 win in game one of that Louisiana two-game set. So some positive stuff for Alabama as it now looks ahead towards making a continued run at the top of the SEC standings because Alabama just two games back now of Arkansas. You've got Florida there, of course. And here comes Missouri kind of jumping in the middle of this thing after a series win out at Arkansas over the weekend. So things are tight. Things are tight in those top four spots in SEC softball. Going to step aside to our first break. When we come back, we've got winners and losers. It is a Monday from the sports weekend. We'll get into some of that with you and your phone calls as well. The transfer portal in play for the Alabama secondary. 
We'll talk about Ronald Williams on the move and what that means for the Crimson Tide defensive backfield looking ahead when Southern Fried Sports returns on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by C Spire. Add C Spire Fiber to your roster at cspire.com slash Fiber. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. The Alabama men's golf team's run in the 2021 SEC Men's Golf Championships came to an end with a 4-1 to semifinal loss and match play to Vanderbilt on Sunday morning. With their win, the Commodores advanced to Sunday afternoon's championship match, while the Crimson Tide will look ahead to NCAA regionals play in mid-May. Alabama reached the semifinals for the third time in the last four years, and the SEC championships have been held thanks to a 3-2 victory over South Carolina in the quarterfinals on Saturday morning. It marked the third time over the last four championships that were played that Alabama has been one of the final four teams standing. Crimson Tide had to fight from behind as Vanderbilt won the first two matches to jump out to a 2-0 lead. The Commodores then sealed the victory with Harrison Ott's 3-1 victory over Wilson Furr to secure the team's third and clinching points. I'll have more in a moment. Bad internet is bad for business. We've all been there. Lagging video chats. Slow downloads. Oh, come on. It's just not a good look. Instead, call Ceasefire Business. Our local experts deliver gigabit speeds backed by thousands of miles of fiber for the fastest, most reliable internet around. Period. No excuses, no apologies. Just fiber fast internet that works. Ceasefire Business. See how our fiber solutions can help power your success at ceasefirebusiness.com. Join us tonight for Hey Coach, presented by Alpha Insurance on the network at 6 p.m. Central. We'll be hosting the show live from Baumhauer's Victory Grill in Tuscaloosa, and we'll be joined during the show by baseball coach Brad Bohannon, as well as softball head coach Patrick Murphy. We'll also cover the latest in Crimson Tide athletics. The show begins at 6 p.m., and we'll be streaming live as well. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today, brought to you by C Spire. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon with a good supply of sunshine. The high today, 82. For tonight, mostly clear with a low at 59. Then for tomorrow and Wednesday, partly to mostly sunny both days. Highs up in the middle 80s between 84 and 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 73 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. I love you like water being down in Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. It appears as if Mason 
our intrepid and capable Tide 100.9 FM staffer has unearthed the answer to the script A question. And seeing as how Mason apparently was able to gather that information at BamaOnline.com, maybe I should read BOL every once in a while. What do you think, Jacob? I mean, I'm just the senior analyst there. Maybe if it was something that Mason found on Bama Online, found the answer to that, maybe I should maybe be able to find the answer on Bama Online. What, what do you think of that, perhaps? Think that maybe I maybe I should be able to do that? Now, what did Mason come up with, Jacob? What do we got, Mason? So it appears that the Crimson Tide baseball team had a script A on its uniform and on its hats in 1951, uh, uh-huh. and the Braves adopted their script A in the 60s, right? It, yeah, in 66. I, yeah. yeah, moved from Milwaukee, yeah. Well, that would make sense. There you go, Mason coming through for us in the clutch. We appreciate that, absolutely. 205-342-9904. That was a little Paul Harvey. Back in the day, back when I was a kid, Paul Harvey was a radio commentator. Uh, he would give you, as he would say, the rest of the story. So Mason did that for us on the program today. Um, we're going to get into uh, some mock talk. What I want to ask the question of Jacob Harrison and maybe you, the trusty listener out there, what are some of the best case scenarios for some of these Alabama NFL draft hopefuls in terms of where they could fall, where they might go starting on Thursday night. Huh? Is it really a best case scenario for Mac Jones to go to the San Francisco 49ers? Well, I mean, if you're going to go number three overall, it's hard to think of a negative really. Uh, But if you're going number three overall, again, as we talked about earlier in the show and throughout the last few weeks, that is, Pretty much playoff ready. There's going to be a lot of pressure, obviously, but you're going to get the top three money, top three pick money, and you're going to get the immediate opportunity to make the postseason, to be in playoff football. Sounds good. Sounds good, doesn't it? Hey, let's do some big blue drive-through now. I believe Jeff is on hold, and Jeff is probably very fired up because his Kentucky Wildcat volleyball team over the weekend won the SEC's first national title in that sport. Now, Jeff, will you commemorate the championship with maybe a hat, maybe a T-shirt? How far will you go uh, yeah, in your I'm, fandom I'm gonna, to celebrate I'm, that I'm championship? I'm going to buy one. I haven't done it yet. I'm going to buy one. All right. I'm going to buy one to wear it around Tennessee, just like, just like Drew said this morning. You know, he, he laid last at it, but it's our second national title this year. We won We won one.
five to two and eleven to nothing. I, I think I think the home run going over the wall. I think the home run going over the wall right now. Let's see, Kentucky twenty Alabama zero. Seven seven in game two, and Mister Collette hit four in a double header. That's pretty good, isn't it? Oh. Isn't that pretty good? Seven seven. Yeah, seven, seven, seven in a game. That's I mean, tough. Retired 19 straight Alabama batters. I, I, I guess he was pitched to a middle school team, I guess. Oh. In a row with one hit. I guess. I don't know. But, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, Kentucky, Kentucky's overachieving in baseball. They're 9-9. and Thomas said they were picked dead last. Like Alabama was. So he's one of them was picked to go anywhere as far as baseball this year. So, I mean, Joey's overachieving with that bunch. He doesn't, he doesn't have a lot of draft eligible guys. So, they're freshman and sophomores mostly. A few Jews, Glitz, the senior, he'll be gone after this year, but they don't have much talent in the way of baseball. Softball's been struggling, too. But now, volleyball comes through, they finally, they, they broke busted the window. Like, like, like I can tell a guy up here, they finally, finally got it done. Four four have been there twice and lost, but Kentucky won it. So, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I saw Greg, Greg Sankey there Saturday night, Jermaine O'Neill's daughter plays for Texas, so basketball player. So, y'all hang in there, have a good one, see you. There goes the big blue drive-through. He was going to let us know too about that Sunday doubleheader sweep of Alabama baseball by his Kentucky Wildcats. Bombs over bluegrass in that eleven nothing win over the Crimson Tide yesterday. Seven home runs in seven innings. You usually are going to win those games. How about that for some analytics? Hashtag analysis right there. By the way, we have started a Drew Diarmond count for Jeff. We are trying to keep track of the Drew DeArmond mentions during his phone calls to the program. Jacob, uh, I had four. I don't know how many you guys maybe came up with there in the studio. That's that's pretty low count for for Jeff when it comes to the Drews. Yeah, we're off to I, a bit of a slow start. I, I, I'm I'm not going to lie. I, I had a hard time hearing the four, but uh, that's I, what I we came four. up with too. <laughs> yeah, and just so you know, well, we've talked about it, and we've pretty much established four and a half as the total of Drews and or Drew DeArmond's from Jeff on his big blue drive through segments here on the program. Uh, he went under today. So if you had the under, uh, you did pretty good on the on the Drew count with uh, Jeff on the big blue drive through. Going to step aside for another break. When we come back, we will talk some Ronald Williams transfer portal. For the Alabama football team, when Southern Fried Sports returns on a Monday, presented by Peterbrook Chocolates here, right here on Tide 100.9 FM, right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. The God to fear the flame and to burn the crowd that has a name and to right or wrong and to meek or strong it is known. Southern 
Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. You had some news over the weekend as it relates to the Alabama football roster. Not all that surprising, I wouldn't think. Ronald Williams, the junior college transfer from a year ago at the cornerback position, reportedly has entered the transfer portal. I believe it was Matt Zenitz who had that first for AL.com. We were able to confirm it there at BamaOnline.com as well. And really, a case of a lot of guys, a lot of talented guys, a lot of capable guys at cornerback in a race for really what is one spot. And you look at the end of spring drills – Opposite Josh Joe, because he is the guy at the other corner position after starting every game a year ago for the Crimson Tide. You know, you're talking about Jalen Armour Davis, by all accounts, very good spring, a veteran in the program, looks to be number one at the top of that depth chart. Opposite Josh Joe, heading into the summer months and then fall camp. In August, but you also have Jaquincy McKinstry, the five-star early enrollee that's going to be very difficult to keep off the field. You've got Marcus Banks, who has progressed at a nice rate, kind of an Anthony Averett-type progression that he has made during his time at Alabama. Uh, You've got help on the way. You've got a guy like Terry and Arnold who could play corner, could play safety, could play star, money, you name it. That type of talent. Devonta Smith coming in from the high school ranks. Also going to be in that mix. Kyrie Jackson, another junior college transfer coming on board. Look at it this way. When you watch the 8A game and you're watching in the fourth quarter and you're watching late, you've got a fifth or sixth corner like Brandon Turnage who checks all the box boxes physically. Big corner, 6'1", 190-plus, and he's breaking up passes in the fourth quarter of the spring game. This is a guy that can play a lot of places, and Brandon Turnage. Now, Ronald Williams was higher up in the pecking order, it appeared. He was with that second-team defense in the spring game. He, along with Quincy McKinstry, But again, the issue for all those guys at corner not named Josh Job is that they are essentially battling for one spot. And that's somewhat unusual because in a lot of years, your third corner is going to be in that mix at star. But Alabama is so safety heavy right now. Really, it's to the point where they just have specialists. They have that type of depth assembled there on the back end of that defense. You know, Kai Moore and Brian Branch, I would say they're safeties by trade in their base positions. But Alabama is so set at safety right now with Jordan Battle and DeMarco Ellums that they can look at Malachi Moore and Brian Branch and say, you guys have at it at star. And Brian Branch, you're going to be the money back, the dime back in the dime package. So it's a lot of safeties, a lot of safeties right now when you talk about the base into the sub packages of the nickel and the dime. And so if you're a corner, you're looking at two spots 
those two corner spots. And Josh Job's got one. So you're really looking at one for about five, six, seven guys when you include the newcomers. And again, the potential for some of these guys to play corner safety. Like a Terry and Arnold coming in here in the summer. So if you're Ronald Williams and you're at this point in your career, even with the free year, it makes sense. Ronald Williams can play for a lot of people. He can play a lot of places in the Southeastern Conference. You think Ole Miss wouldn't like to have Ronald Williams right now at corner? Probably. A lot of places in the Southeastern Conference would. So, again, not all that unexpected at all, and probably not the last. Maybe not specifically at corner, but just for this roster in general. Because uh, in terms of defensive depth, especially, the numbers, the quality of numbers is back to where it was three, four, five years ago when you were pretty much locked and loaded at every level of that Alabama defense. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you would like to jump on board, you are more than welcome to do so. What about this talk today, too, that Julio Jones could be on the trading block? Julio? Going to be leaving Atlanta? And how does that impact the Falcons' viewpoint on the upcoming draft? Because, Jacob, from what I read, they wouldn't trade him until after June 1. Is that correct? So that would be after the draft? Right. Basically can't draft or trade him until after June. Right. But I would guess you would have a pre- – you're already taking calls, I would think. So you you already you'll know going into the draft what you're going to be doing with Julio. I would think after June one, you could kind of have a very good feel for that. I would think. And so, if you're thinking you're not going to have Julio in 2021, I don't know how you don't have to think hard about Kyle Pitts there at number four, right? Does that make sense? I'm pretty Kyle stuck Pitts. in that if they take that pick at four, they use it, it's Kyle Pitts, or or, or otherwise they're trading back. Yeah. I mean, th- it makes sense, really, even if you keep Julio. Um, but if you're thinking you're not going to have Julio, you're going to basically look to replace a 6'4 wide receiver with a 6'6 six, six, uh, otherworldly type tight end talent. I would think that you can do so many different things with. And then Calvin Ridley, you still got him there at the wide receiver position. It's been really good, really solid. I think they've gotten good value out of Calvin Ridley at this point. Oh, this is a guy that, yes, he was a first round pick, but he was a late one. And then you ask the question is C Rid, is he ready to step up into that number one spot? Although, if you add Kyle Pitts, you're going to have to account for that dude in such a way that you can have a 1B sort of as your one at wide receiver and probably be just fine. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. You have those mocks on Monday. Now, do you have a mock on this Monday, Jacob? Have you updated your own mock on this Monday? Because I see CBS Sports has its three-round mock out today. Not, I didn't know if 
got to do that all important Wednesday mock so that nobody okay. can question you. You've had all the time for any weird late minute shenanigans to play out. I got you. I got you. So from the Alabama perspective, looking at this CBS Sports three round mock, and by the way. They like Kyle Pitts there at number four overall to the Atlanta Falcons. The first Alabama player off the board, they're not buying the smokescreen, CBS Sports, Jacob. They have Mac Jones, number three overall to the San Francisco 49ers. Next Alabama player off the board, Jalen Waddell, number seven overall to the Detroit Lions. Then you're looking at Devontae, number 11 overall to the uh, New York Giants. I don't like the quarterback situations for Jalen Waddell uh, in Detroit or really Devontae Smith with Daniel Jones up in New York. So I'm not enamored with that. We talked earlier about good situations that uh, some of these guys could be walking into. Patrick Sertan, number 12 overall to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, And I'll tell you what, CBS Sports, with an interesting scenario hearing here, uh, here that Najee Harris all the way up to number 18 overall to the Miami Dolphins, reunited with his pal Tua down there in South Florida. That would certainly be interesting if that were to be the case. You keep moving down through the first round, and well, that's it for first-round picks, according to CBSSports.com where the Alabama Crimson Tide is concerned. I say that's it, but what is that, five in the top 15 picks? Top 18 picks? <laughs> that's still not too bad. But as we know, kind of the the number that everyone shoots for now, and especially Alabama, is that record-tying six from the University of Miami back in 2004. The second round, you know, the Jags, our Jags, my Jags, uh, CBSSports.com has Trevor Lawrence, the Jags, like everybody else. But then they have the Jags with the first pick of the second round taking Travis Etienne. I like the way that reads for my Jags. I'd love to see Etienne in Jacksonville with Trev. But uh, James Robinson is an undrafted free agent last year, rushed for over 1,000 yards. I don't know if we, we, I said, I don't know if we need Travis Etienne that high but we've got picks to kind of play with this year we got a lot of picks uh in terms of alabama guys number 41 overall christian barmore goes in the second round to the detroit lions detroit's picked some alabama defensive linemen here in the last five or six years Ashawn, dashawn Ashawn and dashawn robinson and hand respectively uh went to the went to the lions in some previous drafts uh, other Alabama guys, as we move down the list, your Pittsburgh Steelers, Jacob Harrison, taking Alex Leatherwood, number 55 overall there in the second round. I don't know how that strikes you. I don't know how much in love uh, you are with that. Uh-oh, that, that's, big uh. That's not the Alabama guy I want. That's, you want Landon. <laughs> I want Landon or Najee. <laughs> and, and I see where these anonymous scouts are at it again. You know, ripping Landon Dickerson. I don't know if you've seen that. These anonymous front office and scouts uh, ripping Landon in some of the draft. uh, Said he's stiff and he's been hurt his whole life. That's what they've said about Landon Dickerson. That was the Steelers Um, trying to get him to 55. 
Yeah, that's you're probably right about that. In fact, the CBSSports.com mock, they don't have Landon going until the 81st overall pick in the third round to the, of course, where else would Landon Dickerson go? The Miami Dolphins. How about that? Little Najee and Landon down there. DJ Fluker recently signed with the fish. Yeah, a lot of Bama down there in South Florida, South Beach. So, Lane and Dickerson, third round to the Dolphins. And uh, that's about it for the three rounds. No Dylan Moses here in the first three rounds of the 2021 NFL Draft for this CBS Sports mock. We're going to head to our final break. We come back. More of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon with a good supply of sunshine. The high today, 82. For tonight, mostly clear with a low at 59. Then for tomorrow and Wednesday, partly to mostly sunny both days. Highs up in the middle 80s between 84 and 87. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 74 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. You know, we talk about Jacob Harrison dying on the Mac Jones to San Francisco 49ers, third overall, Smokescreen Hill. This album is a hill I'll die on. I know, look, a lot of you people, if you've been around long enough, you try to lump live in with Creed, maybe Kings of Leon, some other swill merchants. Don't do that. Live was legit back in the day with this one. 27 years ago. Yeah, about the very time the Chocolate Lady and I started dating. This one dropped in 1994. In my day, kids. So that's your playlist theme of the day. A little live on a Monday to try to try to pick you up. Try to get you going. 205-342-9904. That is the Peter Rook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board with us with the time we have remaining on today's program, we'd enjoy hearing from you. Um, you know, we were talking earlier in the program about uh, Alabama softball and why it was good to see the bottom of the lineup yesterday come through like it did. And it's because if you want to give Bailey Hempful, KB Sides, uh, Tau, you know, the, the real pop in your lineup, a chance to see pitches, you got to get stuff. You got to get production from the bottom of the lineup. Alabama had Alabama drew four walks in that win over Louisiana yesterday. And all four of the walks were drawn by sides, Hempel, and Tau. That's the way it's going to be until Woodard, Clark, Brown, whoever's at the bottom of the lineup. Murph likes to play with that bottom and top. 
you know, sometimes he'll move Alyssa Brown up to the one. Sometimes it's Alexis Mack. But uh, you got to get production out of the bottom of that lineup if your big bats, specifically, most notably, Bailey Hempel, are going to have a chance to swing to swing the aluminum bat. Hey, um, not sure if you saw this, but big time hire on the women's basketball front by LSU. Kind of a shocker, although Kim Mulkey, a Louisianan, I guess that's how you say that. Yeah, well, she's from Louisiana originally. Grew up there near Baton Rouge, high school basketball, matriculated at Louisiana Tech, played on championship teams there back in the day when the Ramblers were the real deal. The Lady Ramblers, I believe they were referred to back then at Louisiana Tech. Uh, Kim Mulkey won three national championships as the head coach of the Baylor women, and now she's coming home coming back to Louisiana to take over as the new coach at LSU. And it's a really impressive roster of coaches on the men's side of basketball in the SEC. Nate Oates has certainly helped take that up a notch or two in the last year or so. But on the women's side, it is especially impressive now. Because with Kim Mulkey, you've got a three-time national championship coach at LSU. Don Staley has pretty much been the standard bearer in the league over the last several years. But now you got Kim Mulkey in here with three national titles of her own to go along with Staley's national title. Gary Blair's been around forever. Uh, now at Texas A&M. Joni Taylor, the former Alabama player was the SEC Coach of the Year for the recently completed season there at Georgia. Coach Yo over at Ole Miss has very much got that thing headed in the right direction. Mike Neighbors at Arkansas, really good coach. Nikki McCray-Penson coming off a rough first season there at Mississippi State, but she will get it right. I really think she will. Kelly Harper at Tennessee, that's a tough gig, man. Even though there's been a coach after the coach situation at Tennessee with the Lady Balls, boy, that Pat Summit shadow, it looms. Paul Bear Bryant like when you talk women's basketball up there in Knoxville. Christy Curry been at Alabama for several years now. Alabama recently, of course, made its first NCAA tournament appearance since 1999. And then I think you've got some promising hires to go along with Mulkey in the league here of late. I think Johnny Harris is going to do a really good job at Auburn. Longtime assistant to Vic Schaefer. Vic was at Mississippi State, left to go to Texas, completed his first season in Austin, took the Longhorns to the Elite Eight. Johnny Harris has been an integral part of his staffs between Mississippi State and Texas, an outstanding recruiter, highly regarded as a coach. And then Shea Ralph taking over at Vanderbilt, longtime assistant to Gino Ariema up at UConn. So, again, you put Mulkey at the top of this list now. Oof. Stakes just went up in women's college basketball in the Southeastern Conference. By the way, Kim Mulkey at Baylor was reportedly making – in excess of $2.2 million per season. So when the contract becomes public at LSU, it will be very interesting to see what the Tigers are paying Kim 
over there in Red Stick. 205-342-9904 as we put a wrap on a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports. I didn't watch a second of the Oscars last night. Did I miss anything? I don't think I did. I don't know. I mean, with COVID last year, what what was there to watch? I mean, do they do Netflix now on the Oscars? Are those Oscar uh, eligible? Jacob Harrison, do you know anything about that? Because I'm clueless on that. Travis, you may have missed the Oscars last year. I've never watched the Oscars. <laughs> I don't know. Not my go-to guy, then. I'll take that as a no from Jacob Harrison on <laughs> last night. I didn't see a second of it, so I, I can't really comment on exactly uh, how all that went down. I can tell you this, though. Pretty cool when you look at college football and, you know, these last few weeks, you've had an in-state program making a run through some college football playoffs. And it's not the Alabama Crimson Tide, obviously, but Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State with a playoff win in Jacksonville over the weekend over Davidson. And now the Gamecocks will host the Fighting Blue Hens of Delaware next Saturday. So, look, if you want to watch some college football that counts in the month of May, you're going to be able to do that this weekend. Joe Flacco's alma mater. I think Joe Flacco was one of those Michigan transfer quarterbacks at one point, I believe. Went on to Delaware and, of course, the NFL, but Jacksonville State into the FCS quarterfinals still got North Dakota State looming there in those playoffs you talk about Trey Lance if there's a North Dakota State former player that I think is a slam dunk success coming up here in the National Football League it's Jabril Cox the former NDSU linebacker who spent a grad transfer year at LSU last season Give me Jabril Cox of the North Dakota State products over Trey Lance in terms of immediate impact, long-term impact for that matter, from the FCS level. That's going to do it for a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports, the lunch whistle on this Monday, brought to you by Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Take care of that case of the Mondays with a Yardbird chicken sandwich for lunch. That'll take care of it. I promise you, if that doesn't, Go back for happy hour later this afternoon. They'll certainly help you with that as well. Great dinner options as well. Brunch on the weekend. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Until 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. Thank you for 